reason for us all to live and something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet or hold a newborn But no matter what I do, my hands remembering my rifle Welcome to Veteran State of Mind, I'm your host Geraint Jones And today we are joined by a veteran from across the pond Or not across the pond, if you are an American listener, of which we have many uh, Dan Holloway is a, is a podcaster, he's a veteran of the 82nd Airborne um, he's a uh, host on the Drinking Brothers podcast or Drinking Bros podcast. I was being a bit formal there. Also host on the Citizen Pod, uh, which is one of my favourite podcasts at the moment. Um, Dan has a lot of really insightful things to say about the the world at large, and I think um, he's a very measured, measured, very measured gentleman. And and um, what I really like about what he's been doing is he's kind of. You know, get on Drinking Bros especially, you know, they'll talk about current events, but I think what Dan's been doing really well is kind of stripping back, stepping back from current events and working on um, these, he has these set of uh, principles that he's working on refining. Um, and I'm not going to go into them, I'll let the man himself speak about those, but um, I, something that I really learned from today's podcast is, um, you know, this idea that, you know, we can we can get, and I certainly do it myself, caught up in, in kind of current events. And I think it's very important to take a step back and look at, why we react into things in the way we do um, and how we should be reacting to things. Um, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're going to really enjoy today's podcast. And before we get into it, I just want to say obviously a massive thank you to our sponsors because without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. So first and foremost, I want to say a massive thank you to our Patreon listeners. Um, it's one thing to have companies come on and sponsor the podcast, which we're massively grateful for, but it's uh, it's really something else to have you guys dip in your own pockets and support the podcast as a Patreon. Um, you can, if you're interested in learning more about it, or if you're interested in signing up, quid a month uh, or more if you want to. If you're a wealthy gentleman, a man of means, then uh, you know, chuck us some money, and we'll use it towards recording uh, the podcast, bringing you more episodes. Um, and I really just want to say thank you to all you guys that are doing that. It's much appreciated, and also thank you big time to Zulu Alpha Straps, uh, veteran-owned, veteran-operated company who make beautiful straps for your timepiece they've got all kinds of designs durable tough hard working they look delicious if that is possible um if you're in the military you, or if you're law enforcement i mean i'm i know we're a bit tough on cops on here sometimes but i do do know we have some listening shout out to you guys thank you for bearing with us um check them out guys you're not going to find a better strap for your watch and um combat fuel I know a lot of us listening appreciate juicy gains. No better place to get them than Combat Fuel. Oh, I say that, you still got to do the work yourself, but Combat Fuel will help you out. They've got fantastic flavors in all kinds of different proteins. Um, they've got different pre-workout flavors. It's got some really good, uh, really good pre-workouts. They brought out Cloudy Lemon recently, which I'm a big fan of. Um, and they've also got all kinds of supplements for your joints. Um, they've got zinc and magnesium, which I find is, is really good for um, helping with sleep. Obviously, better sleep you get, better gains you get, everything like that, all connected. Go check them out. Um, and if you are serving in the military, uh, all the combat fuel is, uh, it, it's all kosher with the informed sports stuff. So you can take their supplements, confident that you're not going to fail a CDT and be thrown out the army. So uh, let's get into today's podcast, guys, because um, I really enjoyed this one. Like I said, Dan is a thoughtful guy and... Uh, uh, or I recommend everyone go and check out Citizen Pog, especially because I think Dan's doing something different there, and it's uh, definitely you will get a lot of value from that. So please give a very warm welcome to Mr. Dan Holloway. Bro, well, welcome to the podcast. Glad we could do this. Thanks. Yeah, we got a few things. Usually, mate, I'm a I'm a bit of a book perv. 
and um, I'm spotting on your um, shelf there, The War on the West by Douglas Murray. Yeah. Yeah. Doug's a really interesting guy. One of my favorite authors, actually. Same, bro. Absolutely. I mean, I, he's got pride of place there. Is that a um, sponsor thing or is that just a you love the, the you love the book? Uh, yeah, I just want people to read it. And uh, The Madness of Crowds as well. Very good book of his. Um, yeah, people should read those books. I mean, he, he does a really good job of just laying out the facts of kind of what's going on. And, you know, he's got that classic dry British wit about it, about the, about the prose that he writes. It's really interesting. So uh, he's always been a, a, a favorite of mine. Yeah, he's very, um, very kind of, very dry. Um, where, I mean, and the subject matter when you're dealing with woke. The other thing as well about Douglas Murray, I mean, um, you know, this this isn't like a massive point about it, but, you know, he is a homosexual man. And I feel like that kind of comes through in his delivery as well. It's that kind of, I know a few British gay guys like that who are always just so kind of dry and cutting with their humor and um, there's yeah, a little bit of theater to the yeah. to mm, the whole yeah. thing yeah I, I mean it's i like it he's kind of like a gay christopher hitchens you know well a gay I, I think he's religious probably a little bit more than hitchens ever was so well anybody is more religious than hitch but yeah yeah he's a really interesting guy yeah yeah so i'll, I'll second down on that one check out war on the west um so mate we've, we've got I, I really want to talk today about um your your whole kind of like citizen project and everything you going on and liberty and and uh, your thoughts on it um your thoughts on you know being a, being being a good citizen and how that ties into um the bigger picture and and all these things that we've been going through in the last kind of few years but i think for the, those people who don't know you i'd love to get a bit more of, of uh, knowledge about your kind of uh, your upbringing and and like the kind of the origin story about how you got to these points so where, 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 where did you grow up and what was the kind of code of ethics that you were given as a, as a child? Sure. Yeah. Um, I grew up in uh, South, upstate South Carolina near Clemson university or American fans may know where that is. As far, as far as a code of ethics, I mean, my home life was pretty uh, unstable, I guess in that regard, but the code of, of ethics that I suppose I really gravitated towards was, you know, things that I read about not engaging in the hero worship that Western culture is kind of defined by, especially now. Never been terribly impressed by celebrity. Not not necessarily there are celebrities who do impress me, but the idea of celebrity doesn't really have much of an effect. And I don't I don't think it should. But yeah, as far as a code of ethics, like I, I was mistreated as a child and I always you know, it took me a while to come to grips with how to handle that. Cause it's easy to fall into uh, it's easy to be cynical and hold the things that have been done to you against everyone you come into contact with. But that doesn't really make a lot of sense. We talk a lot about not judging people based on the actions of others, not creating monoliths. Uh, it's just intellectual laziness. Right. And I think that people that use a rough upbringing or uh, some mistreatment in their past as, as an, an excuse to, you know, act like, assholes all the time. That's just uh, social and emotional laziness. Frankly, it, it comes very close to cowardice, in my opinion, because you're kind of refusing to deal logically with what's happening to you or what's happened to you. So, you know, I thought a lot about it. I decided that, and this is something that I say a lot, if you can turn your pain and suffering into empathy for other people, then you can save two lives, yours and theirs. I think that's kind of the, maybe the point of life in general. 
is to, you know, live your life, experience the things you experience, uh, be diligent about uh, understanding them and then distilling them for other people so that all of our collective wisdom can benefit each of us, right? Um, nobody's going to go through everything in life, but, you know, there are a lot of things that are common about different situations. So not everybody's going to have a startup business that's, you know, taking a lot of their time and it's super stressful, but a lot of people will have financial stress in their lives. And if you can understand how to deal with one, you can understand how to deal with all of those. So I kind of refocused myself uh, there intellectually over the years. Once I graduated high school, I was kind of, you know, I like to read and stuff. So went to school for a while. I studied religion for a while. Sorry to interrupt me. Where did the reading, uh, where did the reading come from? Like where, where was that kind of spark? It's a good question. I, I've, there's a lot of like weird machismo stuff in the South and the United States. And I don't understand it. I think it's like, maybe it's some kind of low IQ shit where it's just people beating their chest like cavemen because they don't, they haven't developed a better understanding of life or some shit. I don't know what it is, honestly. Every, it seemed like everybody around me was just consumed by pride and ego and things like that. Like it really mattered to them that they were right, but it always occurred to me that it was more important to have the right answer than to be right yourself. I mean, everything that you know right now, you didn't, you were in, you, you were just as ignorant about the thing that you're an expert on now as someone who's currently ignorant on it, right up until the point that you learned that thing. That's how learning works. So it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me to align my ego or, or identity with the things that I know, but rather understand that I don't actually know shit. And there's a lot of people out there that have experienced all this before and you know recorded it. That doesn't mean you have to go read everybody's book and take it at face value. You can take it for with, with a grain of salt but there's there's lessons to be learned there you know this is something i get asked a lot by people it's like because i think you and i have a lot of the same opinions on let's just say especially the last few years kind of what's been going on people say to me like well you know where do you get your where do you get your news from where do you get your ideas from and, and everything like that and i feel like um kind of what you're saying with the reading it's just you just over time with the amount of reading you just develop it. it's like a filter essentially that you then run that everything else kind of runs through. Sure, yeah. Is there any is there any works in particular or thinkers in particular that kind of form cornerstones of your like quote unquote like filter? Well, yeah, I mentioned one of them already. It's this is actually really interesting. So I grew up in a super religious household. I actually studied religion for a while after I graduated high school and even during high school. The two that really stand out from childhood are Christopher Hitchens and uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote, you know. The Chronicles of Narnia, Mere Christianity, The Screw Tape Letters, all these books. And it wasn't because or in spite of their beliefs. It was because of the fact that they were fo- they were skeptics. You know what I mean? They they processed information in a way that really made sense to me. So I don't know if you've ever heard of the screw tape letters, but this is a book. It's a it's a it's a fiction book by C.S. Lewis, and it is a demon on earth, young demon, and he's corresponding in letters to his uncle Screwtape, who is a demon in hell. And Screwtape is telling him how to trick human beings into doing different, like bad shit so they'll go to hell. That's, that's essentially the premise. But really what it is, is a treatise on human psychology and sociology. Like he's, he's using it as a backdrop to explain how, how people think and how they react to social pressures and all this other stuff. Brilliant works. 
And then, you know, Hitchens, again, he was a skeptic and he, he would, he would have said this as well. Actually, he did say this later in life, but, you know, was kind of captured by socialism when he was younger because of the very clear injustices in the world. And as he got older, as Churchill predicts, you know, if you're young and conservative, you have no heart. If you're old and liberal, you have no brain. <laughs> you know, he, he, he kind of grew out of it. He was like, yeah, we should really care about people and do everything we can to help other people. But surrendering that right to the government is clearly not the answer. So, you know, I think those two guys more than anybody else probably shaped my thinking, which is, I've always found that interesting because, you know, it's, they, they couldn't be more different, those two guys. And what, what were your politics like as a, as a you know, as a, a young, like, let's say a young man? I've been blackpilled, I guess, for as long as I can remember. I have an inherent, I mean, there, there's some of it. And like I said before, I don't really like to monolith too much, but because of the way I was treated by authority figures in my youth, I really don't trust them even today. Right. Cause well, I guess you could say you can trust people to be who they are, which isn't the same as blindly trusting them to do the right thing. I trust people to serve their own goals and ambitions. And, you know, if you can find people that have common goals and ambitions, that that's what we call society. Right. But if you're constantly like, if we're not, if we're playing tug of war and we're pulling in different directions, nobody wins. It just kind of keeps going until, you know, until time runs out, I guess. Um, well, the rope snaps. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So my politics uh, is kind of like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's, to me, that's not enough. Like when I was young, that was fine. But now I realize, uh, and Plato says, if you don't take an interest in the affairs of your government, then you are doomed to live under the rule of fools, right? And that's one of the things I based the show Citizen on. It is that you can either be in control of your own life uh, you can live a principled life and contribute to society and solve problems before the government gets there and be a good citizen, or you will be a subject, right? You will be a subject under the rule of somebody else. And that is something that I'm not willing to do, right? So that the whole, we talk about this a lot. I was actually talking to uh, Chris Williamson about it the other day, like the, the instinct to leave other people alone, you know, live and let live attitude is a good that's a good instinct to have, I think, but it's kind of naive, isn't it? Like it ignores the fact that there are people out there that are hungry for, for power. Yeah. Uh, and they will do anything to get it. And the only thing that stops them is that there's more of us than there are them. You know what I mean? But if we are, well, if we're all fractured, if we're not working together, then that doesn't really matter. Yeah. And it's not even like something where even if you play the system, like even if you're like, okay, fine, you want to tax me, I'll pay my taxes, just leave me alone. That won't do it. You know, it's like, it's the same with like any movie with the mafia or whatever. They keep coming and they're asking for more and more and more. And at some point, the hero in the story has to take up arms against the mafia or the bully or whoever's coming around. Like the play placating them or paying them off or whatever just doesn't cut it. And I agree with you, man. I'm very much of the principle of, I want to be left alone and I'm quite happy as long as it's not hurting other people, people do what they want. You know, that's kind of how I think. But like you said, it's a very naive point of view. I, I don't think, I mean, um, I just, I just don't see that being a reality. It's, it's going to take a lot of people who are out of the opinion of leave me alone to come together to say, leave me alone very loudly, which was in effect the form formation of America, right? 
Sure, yeah. Uh, kind of is kind of what happened there. But even after that, I mean, there's there's a there's a blueprint for this sort of stuff. So America, like most Western countries, didn't have a formal police force until the early 20th century. There were sheriffs sometimes in major areas. There would be sheriffs. I guess the Texas Rangers here, but in most places throughout the ni- United States, you either had like private contracting, which was very frequently dominated by some some kind of organized crime, to be honest. Or you had a sheriff, and the reason that the institution of sheriffing in the United States comes with this, uh, uh, this ability for the sheriff to deputize other individuals, right, is because you don't always need that group of people. At least back then, this is how they thought. I don't need a, like a constant police force because people are just going to do what they need to do. But when we need police, you know, it's every, every able-bodied man in the community's job to step up and be that guy. It doesn't matter what your background is. You know what I mean? So think about the posse in general. There's a horse thief running around and you're a farmer and your neighbor's horse gets stolen. Even if you don't like your neighbor, the dip or the sheriff comes around and is like, hey, we're getting a posse together. You're all deputized. Let's go find this dude. You do that because that's the social contract, right? If you want the ability to live and let live, when somebody comes in and threatens the live and let live premise, you have to annihilate them with extreme prejudice. You know what I mean? Like people who prey on others in society have to go. And that was the rule for a long time. And now that's not really the rule anymore. (sighs) You know, it's like, so it's exhausting thinking about how much time we spend trying to make excuses for people who have turned to nihilism and dismissed themselves from the organized communities that we all want to live in. They just want to prey on people because it's easier than making their own lives better. And you see a lot in, in the United States, particularly in California uh, and New York right now. Can you expand just for British people who maybe aren't familiar with kind of what's like what you're referring to there? Yeah. So there's been a big push since before the uh, George Floyd thing, and, and uh, I believe those protests started what June second of uh, twenty twenty, so right, right, right after the uh, the COVID nonsense began, um, there have been quite a few calls f- to quote unquote defund the police, which is a you know an often used and mostly misunderstood phrase. What they're what they're trying to say is that we should take some of the money that's being used in policing and use that money for social programs that would stop crime. And look, that's not the worst, g- just generally speaking, it's not the worst idea. Now, the, the part of it where you're taking money from police, that's fucking stupid, right? Because there's no pro. like you're saying there's a problem with modern policing. Okay, cool. Let's say for the sake of argument, that's true. What problem do you solve by giving it less resources? That's fucking stupid. That doesn't make any sense. So if you want to like add another parcel tax, like they do in, uh, it's essentially uh, property taxes in California. They do these ballot measures all the time to raise some money to try to solve some of these problems upstream. I'm on board with that. Like, I don't like the government getting involved too much in this shit, but that part would make sense. But instead, what they did was they took, like, I think in the case of uh, Los Angeles, they took $150 million away from police there, right? Which is quite a bit of fucking money. And now you're seeing the results of that. Crime for the last two years has been spiking. You know what I mean? Record numbers of murders everywhere. 
And that, that's what you should expect, right? Like if you, if people who are predators think about it like a jackal or a hyena or somebody like that, like not necessarily, not, not the king of the jungle, right? Not the, not the lion, but the little guy who, you know, works in groups and will prey on fucking, uh, uh, smaller animals. If you let them come around and stick around at some point, they're going to stop eating the squirrels and the birds and they're going to eat your dog or they're going to attack your kid. You know what I mean? Like that guy's got to go, got to get him out of here. So it's, I guess it's almost like social broken window theory in that case, but. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting because it kind of, there's some people who'd make the argument that not wearing a seatbelt in the car is the equivalent to a broken window or whatever, you know, and they, you know, cause I, I've always thought, look, there's probably the money there for the police. There's enough police we have in, especially in the UK, there's enough police. The question is, well, what are the, what is their time being split up and doing? Like, why, why is it that there's still like, well, we haven't got enough police to go after all of X serious crime. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, well, why aren't we just like, with that, let's direct some resources towards that then. Maybe we don't like when we had the COVID stuff going on here, there would be, um, parking lots at the, like the kind of, um, the, uh, oh God, what do you call them? National parks, the parking lots would be full of police cars waiting to turn people away like e even just the idea of having one police person there to turn people away is fucking ridiculous in the first place but there would be van after van and i'm like oh i'm sorry have we have we found all the pedophiles in wales are they all gone yeah. like yeah. what what like how, why have we got 20 people sitting out out here right now and then the counter to that would people say well not all the police are you know trained in that kind of uh in, in that kind of like criminal investigation all right cool well let's take the money and get them trained in that kind of fucking sure, yeah. criminal investigation what is it like, because you're in the kind of position where you're a veteran, you've got these podcasts, which I know you have, like, you probably have, like, quite a heavy, like, Leo and veteran listenership, probably quite a right, right wing and by right wing, I mean, you know, a right of center rather than, you know, mm. fucking the right wing that people think of. Um, sure. Do you get, like, a lot of pushback on your kind of, um, like, more... What would you call them libertarian ideas? Or would you call... What would you, what would you kind of define your... Again, I know you don't want to put yourself in a box here, but... You know, I don't mind actually putting myself in a box if I thought there was an appropriate box to be in. I, I just don't think the, like, the idea of marrying myself to a party or a person, I, that's not happening. You know what I mean? And we see it now. Like the, my, my buddy, uh, Michael Schellenberger, really smart guy, uh, he says when you say words, like he intentionally leaves the names of politicians out of all the books he writes. Because he says, when you say words like Trump or Hillary, people like smart people get stupid really fucking fast. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, yeah, he's a, yeah. I mean, it's a really good way of saying it. Yeah. And, you know, I guess in some ways I, I, these things, these things all exist for a reason, right? So the right is dad, right? The masculine, the provider, the protector. And there's a role for that. And the left is mom empathy, uh, nurturing. There's a role for that. All this stuff needs to exist. The libertarian is the skeptic, you know, to keep everybody in line, to make sure that the left isn't amassing power under the guise of helping people and that the right isn't, you know, using conservatism to stop people from doing what they want to do. And there's no victim that th there's this we think of ourselves in a binary political system, but it's really not the case. Like the, the libertarian party or even just ideology, there's a role for all three of these things and they all work together. And when they work together well, it, it works out extremely well. 
You know what I mean? Like there's checks and balances and all this shit. But over the last like 40 years, that's not been the case. The left has been extremely hawkish in the United States. People keep forgetting about this shit because of the global war on terror. Bill Clinton was dropping bombs all over the fucking place. They fucked up in Mogadishu. Uh, 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 Bosnia, uh, Kosovo. Bombed, yeah, Bosnia, Serbia, Kosovo. Although that one, I think, was a good mission to be on. But bombing Iraq whenever we felt like it. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, it was the constant um, Desert Shield, was it? Just constant kind of bombing. Storm like, and Shield, yeah. Just, uh, yeah yep. just constant, constant bombings just on and off, like you're right, for years. I mean, the war never really ended, right? Pretty much. Correct, just, yeah. Now we just did what we're doing now, which is this fucking, now we're using drones, but back then we were just using fucking cruise missiles. And now it's like, you have the conservative party, allegedly conservative party, who after 9-11 uh, increased the fucking surveillance state, the security state. And they also presided over the largest expansion of the federal government in American history with the Department of Homeland Security. And then we come back to the left, Obama drone strikes more people than all of his and deports more people, by the way, than all of his, all other presidents combined throughout the entire history of the United States. The Obama administration deported more people than all of them combined. Trump's a bit of a wild card, right? Who knows what the fuck's going on with that guy? But now Biden's back in and we're war hawks again. You know what I mean? So none, neither one of these, uh, uh, I can't speak really for the libertarian party because they've not had enough power to really influence a lot, but the, the liberal and conservative parties haven't been doing liberal and conservative shit and i think that's why everything's fucked up yeah mate like like for instance why the fuck are the democrat party not pushing ending the war on drugs i have no idea you're the liberal party most people use drugs most people use drugs um in a responsible kind of way why is this not a big issue i always thought when uh when obama got elected to a, a second term i assumed like a lot of other people did um i didn't vote for him because i think the Affordable Care Act was, again, so healthcare was another issue that the left should have taken care of. But instead, they do this Affordable Care Act, which is basically just a handout to insurance companies, right? We're, we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year on administrative costs, not actual medicine, on administrative costs. And nowhere in the bill does it stop the pharmaceutical industry from gouging the fuck out of everybody. Like it was a piece of shit bill. Um, anyways, I assumed, like a lot of people did, when he won re-election that he would just, uh, first of all, immediately legalize weed. Like there's no fucking reason that weed should be uh, illegal. Um, and then take a really hard look at releasing people from prison who were in prison for, for nonviolent weed related offenses. Right. I mean, it's, it's quite a few people. It's like tens of thousands of people are in prison right now for that shit. It wasn't even a conversation. Guantanamo Bay was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, like that was kind of crazy. It's just like, all right, cool. Yeah, you realize you've got like fucking tens of thousands of your own people locked up that maybe, maybe should be getting a look at. Um, and of course, this is something we've just seen the hypocrisy in this again. You've got Biden, Harris calling the wife of Brittany Griner, is it? Um, yeah, you yeah. know, hey, don't worry, we're going to do everything we can to get her out of Russian prison. It's like, motherfuckers, you two have put so many people into drug for, for drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, Dennis, Dennis Rodman is heading over to Russia now to handle that situation. <laughs> so I think it'll be fine. But yeah, I mean, so back, back to your question about being in a box, where do I find myself politically? I mean, I find myself, you know, wh whenever things are fucked up, if you're a footballer, if you're a baseball, basketball player, say your, your shot is fucked up or um, 
like if you're working, if you're a football, you're working on your first touch or whatever it is. You don't do, you don't just go out there at game speed at full speed and start doing stuff. You go back to the fundamentals, right? You break it down into segments. All right. My, my first touch is good. What about my first two steps so I can catch back up with the ball and, and sprint down the field? You, you break these things down, you get back to fundamentals. I think that's kind of what the citizen show is about. The reason I framed it around principles is because think about some of the stuff we've seen recently, like just the last couple of weeks, a bill called the inflation reduction act, which had literally not the word inflation isn't even in it, except for in the title. It doesn't do anything to address inflation. It's just the green new deal. And they renamed it. So you can't trust, like, like I said, with the left and the right, not behaving the way they're supposed to. And with all the, you know, theater and trickery and politics, you can't trust things to just be what they say they are. So you have to remove all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's like a double blind test. It's a blind taste test. You come all the way back down to the principle level. Does it meet this principle? I don't give a fuck who's saying it, what they look like, uh, uh, who, who they call God, who they love. I don't care about any of that shit. Does what they said support the ideals of individual liberty? Right. Cause that's what our society is based on. If the answer is yes, then I'm with it. If the answer is no, then fuck off. You know what I mean? I mean, the Patriot Act is such a great example of that. It's, you know, the Patriot Act, and then it's just ripping away the rights of Americans. And then if you go against it, then, oh, you're just, oh, what, you're not a patriot? So, well, actually, by... That's by, Antifa's game plan, right? Of course. Yeah, exactly, mate. Ah, absolutely. It's fucking stupid. Yeah, you call... But that's, that, but that's like, uh, that sort of thing only, it only happens when reasonable live and let live people tune out of the process. Otherwise, everybody's standing around like, no, what he just said is stupid. And they're all like, yeah, it's stupid. We're not going to do that. You need leadership. And the unfortunate thing about power is that people who desire power very rarely deserve it. And those who deserve it very rarely desire it, right? It's a, it's a big fucking problem in all of society for all time. It's always kind of been that problem. So the, the solution to that, one, is to stop with the hero worship. Stop worrying about personalities and shit. I don't care if I want to have a beer with the president or not. I don't care if he's a good guy or whatever the fuck people say. What I care about is, does this person have the ability to lead other people, right? Galvanize them so you can actually get shit done and do it towards the same goals that we all seem to have, right? And that's, that should be the only litmus test you have. These political factions, it's just a distraction. It's like controlled opposition. You know what I mean? Yeah, I and mean, they're all eating from the same trough, you know, and it's oh, just, sure, yeah. the, the trough never goes away or get, it's empty, you know, so it's just, yeah, sure, you can have your, your, your you know, you, you can be the one that they think's calling the shots and until there is, like you said, like, and this, and, and it's happening, you know, there's, there's people coming in now who have just said, fuck, this is enough and enough, and we all need to put our hands up and accept that we, we have all been part of the problem here by not being involved in this stuff. We've let it happen because I think... I was one of the people who was, uh, my, my kind of thing's always been like, all right, fine, you skim the tills in the background, you know, you, can, you, do your, you do your little shady deals in the background, I know you're making money off us, whatever, just, just but stay out of our lives, fine. But now it's just incursion and incursion and incursion, and it's got to the point where now, well, I was going to say everybody has woken up to it, fucking haven't, which is, in a way, really alarming, because if the last two and a half years are not smacking people in the balls and saying, you know, like we have a fucking problem here, um, a critical problem. Um, I really don't know what will. Like, what's your kind of um, outlook on the next few years? Because I remember 
a few years ago, actually, one of the first episodes we did, I see you got you got the Black Rifle coffee sticker on your laptop there. Me and Marty, you probably know Marty, Marty Scovland, uh, me and him, we did one of our first episodes, and we talked on there about, like, will America go down the road to civil war? And I know you're somebody who's been in combat yourself, and I think, like, most of us who have been there, the last thing we fucking want is combat to ever come anywhere near our homes. Um... But what what do you see? What do you see happening? Is there going to be this quote unquote great awakening, or is it going to go? Is it going to go pear shaped? Well, you know, uh, a couple of things on that. One, sunlight is the best disinfectant. So, um, the the more people see and understand that that's the first step is to see and understand what happened, what's happening, right? So think about this from like a medical standpoint. Like you're in an emergency room, the first thing you do is diagnose what's happening. You know what I mean? Then you make yourself and the and the other people around you aware of what's happening. And then you develop a plan to deal with it. It started with these, you know, these dicks getting, like you said, getting away with things. They're just kind of skimming a little bit. And you're like, all right, cool. I mean, for the convenience it provides, I'm willing to look the other way. That's probably not the right answer, but it's the most common one, right? I mean, that's how aristocracies form in the first place. But now they think they're entitled to it. That's a much different attitude than I'm getting. Like they began just getting away with things and now they believe they're entitled to those things. So when we have these conversations about taxes, for example, the question is always who are we going to tax and how much, and we should tax these people more than these people, but it's never, maybe we shouldn't spend so much fucking money. <laughs> yeah. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or, or it's never, you're not entitled to my shit just because you think the federal government has some role or responsibility. That's not how federalism works, motherfucker. That's why the ninth and 10th amendments to the constitution exist in the fucking first place. So that's the first part. But whenever people bring up civil war and shit, I'm like, okay, cool. A civil war between whom and over what? What wars are, are not like, they, they're not just like, they don't randomly riots and shit will break out randomly. People who disagree and don't understand that they're being played by, politicians in the media they'll they'll scuffle and shit the south went to war because the north this is the american civil war the north was uh not because they were good people but because they were afraid of how powerful the south was becoming right wanted to outlaw slavery because they were the south southern economies were booming northern economies uh were not keeping up and it was because of free labor that's how slavery works right um that isn't to say they weren't right for trying to end it. Obviously, that, that's um, just a shitty situation, an embarrassment for our country. But the point is, the South thought they had something to defend, right? And the North thought that there was something they needed to attack on to make sure they didn't have to defend themselves at some point. It was kind of a preemptive thing. That's how wars start. It's not because I like Trump and you like Hillary. That's not, people don't fucking fight wars over that shit. That's not, it. maybe back in the day when it was legions of 2,000 people, you know, you could organize that many people to go fight for something like that, but 330 million people, come on, man. That's not, that's not realistic. There's no natural geographic line for any of this stuff. It's, it's major population centers versus like the suburbs and, and rural areas. There, there's no, it's just not going to happen. Let's be real about that. Yeah, the only the only thing I, I'd say is, is obviously you know over here we had the Northern Ireland situation, 
So mm. you'd have people from government assassinated, bombings, mm. uh, the occasional bombing of a civilian place for, t- for purposes of terror, that kind of thing. I could definitely see something like that happening in America, potentially. Well, that's already happening. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, the- I meant on like a scale where you've got politicians getting schwacked and that and that kind of you know like uh like a like like the northern island situation we had over here basically you know? you're starting to see some of that now over the past couple of years i think most politicians have there there have been a couple in america that have tuned like gotten into the rhetoric uh maxine waters was one of them that was that she was calling on people to confront conservatives in in public and and run them out of restaurants and shit like that but it wasn't until relatively recently that you heard like the former CI director and some other people say that like kind of, I don't know if it was tongue in cheek so much, but kind of like coyly saying that Trump should be executed for treason. If some of the stuff they were saying was true, which none of it was, by the way, it's all bullshit. Um, but that's a clear escalation. You know what I mean? Cause it's, before it was just kind of a decentralized group. Uh, BLM, Antifa, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they did about $2 billion worth of damage in six months. Um, in peaceful protests. Well, mostly peaceful. <laughs> mostly peaceful. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I missed the mostly on that. That's important. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, precision is, is important. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I, I, I agree with you to some degree that there's some escalation going on right now. But none of these people are powerful enough or smart enough to organize large groups towards some kind of war effort. I mean, you know how it is. Even us as professional warriors, it's not always easy to keep that shit together. You know what I mean? Like it's a struggle. And that's when everybody is literally under penalty of law required to follow the orders you give them. Like imagine talking to the American public and trying to get them to do shit. Northern Ireland as well is very simple, clear message, unification of Ireland, right? So is you know like what in um, you know America you've got a lot of people who are like well I'd less like less federal government um, interference then you got people who's like well I just don't want any, I want the federal government to just be totally abolished and you know it's like there's not like this one clear rallying principle that that everyone could could get on the same page about you know because I think a lot of Americans want to be Americans they want to continue being Americans they don't want to. You know, I mean, I, I know there's some people who talk about Texas breaking away and kind of things like that, but I think generally speaking, Americans love America. Or, sorry, like the cons- more conservative Americans love America. Some people seem to love to hate America. But yeah, like America doesn't have that. This na- nationalistic lines is what kind of brings people together, actually, rather than splitting them, splitting them up. Um, mate, I want to change tack just a minute here because I, I really want to get into. We, we won't have time to go through them all, but. Um, can you just say? Can you just tell people about your eleven principles and kind of what was the, the the thoughts behind um, coming up, kind of coming up with those, and and, and what you're kind of uh, trying to achieve for yourself and other people by by uh, really kind of refining them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's what my show Citizen is about. What what I'm doing there is having conversations with people that I know or respect or. Uh, you know, have maybe different opinions about certain things, uh, maybe about most things that I do, but they can, you know, we can find common ground in these things. Like, as you said, to refine the list, I think it starts with what a citizen is in the first place. My favorite definition of the word is a legally recognized member of a state with associated rights and obligations. And we spend a lot of time talking about our fucking rights. I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about the associated obligations. 
You know what I mean? Like very rarely do you hear somebody have some kind of political issue and then say, you know, we could have solved this if we had just been involved earlier. Usually they just want to blame somebody else for their problems. Um, my idea is that we, we think we have the wrong definition for the word right. Like you have the right to do something, which means you should be allowed to do it. But that doesn't mean that just because it's a right that it's going to happen, right? That, that doesn't, that's not how that works. It's like putting a gun-free zone sticker on the side of your building. That doesn't mean shit. Like a piece of paper isn't stopping anybody from doing anything, nor is your idea about what you're entitled to. So the natural rights that are available to anybody who will fight for them, those are the fundamental rules for the relationship between the citizen and the state, right? That is the social contract, these, you know, so we, we kind of, we know what our rights are. We have freedom of the press, freedom of speech, freedom from uh, tyranny, generally speaking, uh, right to bear arms, the freedom not to be compelled by the military to do stuff, um, freedom from search and unlawful search and seizure. We, we, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff there. So I think everybody kind of has a grasp on that. And I think that we spend, we're in this self-care culture now where people think that it's all about them. It, there's, somehow we've made it like noble to think only about yourself. Like I'm taking a mental health day, like fuck off, dude. You know what I mean? Like everybody's having trouble. You know what helps is helping other people. That's how you deal with that. Like you don't go fucking mope in your room and then ex like, if you want to go mope in your room, go do it, but don't expect me to applaud when you come out. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and not to discredit it. If that's something you need, go do it, but don't expect praise for that. What we respect is resilience. You know what I mean? That's what we respect. Anyways, we all kind of have an idea about that stuff. <sighs> what we don't talk about are the associated responsibilities that make all that possible. So that's why I work on this list of, um, on this list of principles. Cause I think it's, it, it is a def, it, this is defining what it means to be a citizen and, and modern culture. I think it's a great idea, mate. Cause, um, certainly, you know, like I'm one of those people who I'll write my goals down and I'll write certain things down. I'll put certain things onto lists. And I thought, and I, when you, when you brought this up, I think it was on a, on the podcast with that Andy Fisella. And I was like, I was like, fuck, why haven't I ever done this? You know, cause it's, once you started talking about it, I was like, oh yeah, like I, I agree with a lot of this stuff and, but just putting it down and you've got slides here on your, um, on the citizen pod, on the citizen pod social media. And you know, it's just, it's just important to just refine everything down in any, in, in, in anything because so a lot of time we have great intentions and we have great, we might have some great thoughts and we might have some great motivations, but you know, sometimes that you, you have to take all that clutter and just work it down into a very simple sentence that you can just, when there's a situation comes up and you don't know how to react to it, if you've got those guiding principles, you know, that you have your actions to it. Um, I was talking to a friend about this the other day with this Andrew Tate being thrown off, you know, social media. I think the guy's a, a, a fucking dweeb, but yeah. well, I mean, he's a good kickboxer. He's a dweeb, but at the same time, I don't think it's a good idea banning people from, from platforms. And I explained to her, I was like, look, this is why like you have to have the principle of, I believe in everybody having free speech because sure. then when it comes up, you're taking the emotional out of the argument because you know, well, I know this is my principle and therefore I don't, it doesn't matter how I feel about the situation. This is my principle. Therefore, this is how I act. You know, it's like yeah. a little flow chart. So I wanted to talk about a couple of these specific ones, mate. Um, 
And um, considering we've been talking a lot about kind of America and stuff, I think this might be a good one to do is so number five is I will put more into this country than I take out of it. Um, I think as we say here in the UK, th that kind of principle does exactly what it says on the tin. But for you, it, for you, you know, as Dan Holloway, what does that mean to you? Like what are the kind of things that you work on or that you kind of, uh, you see as ways of putting stuff into the country? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so one of the reasons, um, by the way, again, for this list is that I, it is my belief that you can control your effort and your attitude and nothing more, right? So people that get into dieting or fitness or whatever it is, the number one, the num most common barrier to entry is that they just don't know where to start. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, what can I do? And then when you expand that beyond just your day-to-day -day life, like how can I affect society and culture and make my country and community better? That's a hard question for some people to answer for themselves. Like how, what, what can I do? I'm just one person. Well, you know, it is a zero sum game, right? Uh, group psychology is a zero sum game. If there's going to be some nuance uh, in there for sure, but the effects, uh, psychology is more contagious than any virus. Uh, fear permeates society. Uh, hate permeates society, but so does strength at like an, a 9-12 after the day after 9-11, people were pretty goddamn close in this country. You know what I mean? So it is possible and it happens very rapidly. So I like to tell people that like you can control your, your effort and your attitude, nothing more. And then, you know, you get to, I'll put more into this country than I take out of it. It's kind of loosely based on the Boy Scout ethos, which is like leave things better than how you found them. Notice it doesn't say leave things as good as you found them. It says leave things better. And it understands a couple of things. One, that you have a responsibility for the things around you, for your environment, for your community. And two, you know, thermodynamics, second rule of thermodynamics, everything's kind of breaking down and it needs constant maintenance, not just physical objects, but society in general, our communities need maintenance. So what can you do as a, as a regular person who doesn't talk into a microphone who works in a fucking cubicle or drives a truck or something like that. How you put, how do you put more into your country than you take out of it? Well, it begins with your attitude, right? What I, one of the things I've found is that if you present two sides of, of a political debate to somebody, they will gravitate towards one or the other based on what their fucking predisposition is, right? If you remove the, the tags and labels and reduce it down to principles, now you can have a conversation about what it means to, def it, what, what the word liberty really means. You know what I mean? I think that's an important conversation to have with people who think differently. And that's the first thing you can do. Learn about people from people. If everything, if you're a conservative and everything you know about liberals is shit that you hear on Fox News, then you are failing your country, right? Because all they're doing is telling you the most negative shit about that person. And the reality is about 80% of people agree on most things. You know what I mean? There's some, you know, wackos here so and there. The natural laws again. That's the natural law stuff, right? We, we agree on most natural laws. Yep. So I, I really think that the thing you can do most to put more into your country than you take out of it is that it's recognizing that you're being lied to and influenced by, by, by somebody and cutting out that middleman, right? That, that, is, that should be your job in your community. I mean, think about it at work. If you're a manager and you operate at work based on he said, she said bullshit, failure, right? That's an abject failure of leadership. 
uh, even if you do it in your personal life, that's a failure. You go straight to the source and you find out what's actually happening. That's what, that's what a, a fucking adult does. So understand this. If somebody is trying to divide you, they are trying to conquer you. That's why the phrase divide and conquer exists. It's a fucking 5,000-year-old military strategy, but it works pretty much everywhere. So if you know, person A is trying to tell me that person B sucks for some reason, like why? What's your agenda? Immediately ask, what's the agenda there? Because what happens is people, when your first interaction with a different group of people is accusatory or just negative in any kind of way unnecessarily, then you've poisoned that relationship. You know what I mean? Like, there's how, how do we come to consensus when I'm being told that you're my enemy all the time? And I actually believe that. It doesn't work. So I think, I mean, there's all sorts of physical, you can, do charity work, right? And I don't know how it is in the UK, but in the US, we had a big problem with uh, violent crime in major cities in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. So we wrote this crime bill that criminalized a lot of stuff. There's probably some racist elements to it, looking back on it. Uh, but the seeing a problem and trying to solve it by putting violent people in prison, I don't have a problem with that in, in principle. What we know about crime is that there's two primary factors in crime, fatherless homes and poverty, right? So we take all these already impoverished younger black men, put them in prison, and then we leave all of their even younger impoverished black children, young boys at home, right? And now we're back to where we're, it's a cyclical. We never solved that fatherless home problem. So if you're an American in a, in a large city, even not in a large city, yeah, well, I mean, really, wherever you are, if you're a parent, that's great. If you're not, you know, whatever. But the young men in our societies in the West right now are experiencing an extreme form of nihilism. It's the same nihilism that leads people to become suicide bombers, to do school shootings, to join gangs, right? It's the, this is the same psychological issue for all these examples. Now, how do you deal with that? You know, that's a tough question, man. I mean, most of the major studies show about education that the number one predictor of academic success is parental involvement, not race or gender or social class or any of that stuff. It's just your parents being involved in the process. So what does that tell us, right? That the boys and girls clubs of America were a really good idea and we should have kept funding them instead of just giving up on that. It says that if you want your community to be safer, that weird kid in school, right? maybe be a friend to him. Maybe go see what he needs. And if you're a parent of young men, especially, teach your young boys to be intolerant of bullying for sure. But instead of treating the victim as a victim, which doesn't really help anybody, go back to the bully. Be like, hey, what's wrong? How can we fix this situation? Because people like that aren't doing it for fun. They're doing it because they're in pain. And that doesn't excuse their behavior. But if you want to stop that shit in its tracks before it becomes a school shooter, before it becomes a gang member, before it becomes a terrorist, then you have to do something about it. And that's the obligation that comes with the rights associated with being a, a citizen in the United States or anywhere, really. Like you have the obligation to identify problems in your local area and fix them. It's really that simple. And, and sometimes all you have to do is give a little bit of your time and attention. You don't have to be a genius or rich or any of this shit to do this stuff. I know everybody's lives are busy, but you can go on Saturday and coach youth baseball. You can do something. 
mate, everyone, everyone's got 20 minutes to walk down the street and pick up some litter. Yeah. You know, like there's no, no one hasn't got the, or no one hasn't got the time or the ability to do, to do that. Like, cause it, it's, it takes a lot to go and go and coach someone and, and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, you can build up to it, but like there's things today that you can just go and, and do. And also just don't be just, I mean, I, I, I really enjoy arguing pe- with people, but you know, I'm like, well, am I contributing anything here? Or am I being destructive? I'm being destructive. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, just little things like, you know, you can contribute towards the greater good by just stopping being an asshole online and little things like that will add up and add up and add up. Well, you can hold the door for people, right? I mean, that it's, there's, there's really simple stuff. And I think it's even like, if I, if you see somebody that is clearly not on the same political page that you are, right? Because it, it can be hard to tell sometimes, but if it's like, if it's somebody like just wearing a mask indoors somewhere right now in America, that person probably didn't vote like I did, I would imagine, right? So I can do a couple of things. I can, I can leer at them. I can, you know, uh, I'm better than that person. Like, all right, cool, man. That, what, what did I, it's like you said, what am I accomplishing? I'm just adding to the aggregate misery here. But I can, like, I've, I've trained myself when I'm in public to keep an eye out for people who, who just seem different for whatever reason. And I make, I, I, it is like instinct to me now to keep an eye on that person and if there's anything they they need, like if they're kneeling down and need to fucking help up or something, or if they're if they're walking behind me and I need to hold the door, I'm going to do it because I might be I might be the only person that this individual runs into at any point that believes the way I do, and how I treat them affects how they feel about the way I feel. And I think it's really important to build consensus around the idea of individual liberty and the associated responsibilities that come with that. You know what I mean? Like you're a, you're an ambassador for your belief system. And if you're on, on the internet acting like a cunt all the time, who are you helping? That's just making you feel good, right? That's me, me, me. Everybody, I think every human being should have a fucking, a poster that says it's not about me and it should be right in front of you as soon as you wake up because that's how you should live your life. It's, it's never about you. Nothing great has ever been done in the service of yourself, right? All the great things that we know about all the great discoveries. It wasn't about, it wasn't about, so, I mean, think about Edison versus uh, Tesla, right? Like Tesla did it for the love of the game. Edison was kind of an asshole that helped, that the US government helped steal a bunch of shit from people so he could monetize it, right? Like it's two different people there. And I respect the former. You know, that's, that's, that's the best way you can put more into your country is to have that attitude, right? To be on the lookout for opportunities to do that stuff. And then, you know, do better yourself. The better we all do, the better we all do. Like the, the more in shape you are, the more informed you are, uh, the smarter you are with your finances and, and the smarter you are with who you associate yourself with, that builds stronger core units, right? And that's what you need. Yeah, mate, totally agree. And mate, I think that's a really good spot to, to wrap up. Um, before we go, mate, I'm sure people are going to want to hear more about this. We've just, we've only scratched the surface on the principles and on what it means to be a citizen. Um, and uh, I've listened to some of the citizen episodes. I listened to the one with uh, David Wood, who I uh, love that guy the other day. Um, really enjoyed that conversation. It was brilliant. Yeah, he's great, um, Yeah, he really is super cool. Um, so um, if anyone wants to jump over to, to find you around the internet and stuff, mate, where can they get hold of you? Where's the best places to find you? Yeah, my personal... Uh, 
I, the best place to actually get in touch with me is at Dan Holloway, H-O-L-L-A-W-A-Y on Instagram or Twitter. But for the shows, you know, uh, Citizen Podcast, it's, it's everywhere that you can find podcasts. It's on YouTube as well. Um, and then we have quite a few uh, interesting guests on Drinking Bros, but that's more of like a comedy situation. So if you're, if you, if you've, uh, if you're a dude, if you've been in like a, <laughs> if you've been in a fraternity or like the infantry or something, you're going to enjoy that show because it's super fucked up. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good fun, man. Um, yeah. And it's it's funny because like today's been not heavy, but today's been very kind of. We both got our serious heads on. We do. We we have a on on the podcast here. Sometimes we have rants and bants, um, and I know you guys do drinking bros. Um, so like there's um, yeah. So you got the scholarly down today. You can get the frat down over yeah, at drinking yeah, yeah, bros. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll link everything up in the show notes as well. So uh, yeah, people go check it out. Uh, mate, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. And uh, anytime you want to come on, anytime we can do anything for you, please let me know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll get you booked on Citizen sometime as well so we can dig deeper into some of these. Like, like I, I like to go deep on some of the principles and just, just like flesh out some stuff because, you know, it's really easy to get into an echo chamber and think you're right about something and then you see some new evidence. You're like, oh, fuck, I've been right wrong about that. And if it's one of those core pieces of information and i'm wrong about this now i'm building on top of that like that's dangerous stuff man that's how fundamentalism happens yeah mate i i, I couldn't agree more um and uh you know kind of without going back you know into another episode i'm i mean i used to be statist as hell you know so i kind of got to this point and now it's like well you know once you get to the if you if you were ever at the point where you knew you were wrong and you've come to another opinion now and other opinions that you're at now, you have to be open to the idea that you're wrong now too. You know you've been wrong before; you could be wrong now. Yep. Um, but bro, thank you so much for that. Um, I'll link everything up so people can find you. Hope you have a great day, mate. And uh, listeners, we'll catch you next time. And we love you. Bye.